If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Today we're beginning a new series of messages called God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions. And we're going to look at some very practical issues that touch all of our lives and the lives of those that we love. And church, as we walk through this series, I really hope that this will be an opportunity for us to learn what the Bible says about these important life issues, not just so that we'll know what to do, but also so we'll know how to give help to those who are going through those same issues themselves. Now, I wanted to let you know some of the things we'll be talking about, because these are some very practical and and honestly some really heavy-duty issues. Next week, we're going to be dealing with depression. What do you do when you're depressed, when you have a friend or a family member who's suffering through depression? We're going to talk about how you can be confident in a crisis that comes into your life. We're going to address the issue of overcoming loneliness, how people really change. And today, as you know, we're going to talk about the issue of anger. Now, this is a really important topic because anger affects every single one of us. I read a story this week about a pastor who bought a lawnmower from a boy in his neighborhood. And the pastor went back to the boy a few days later because the lawnmower wouldn't crank. And the boy said to the pastor, well, if you want the lawnmower to start, you have to cuss at it. And the pastor said, well, look, I'm a pastor. I don't cuss. In fact, I haven't said curse words in years. And the little boy said, just keep pulling on that handle. It'll come back to you. (laughs) Anger is an issue that affects every single one of us. And it's a very important issue in our world. The news has been filled recently with stories about violence. Violence in our schools, violence in the workplace, violence on the highway, known as road rage. And behind the violence is an issue that we need to address, anger and how we deal with it. And church, the reality is that anger isn't just something out there. Anger is something in here. And so today I want to do this. I want to look at what the Bible says about the issue of anger. And I want to begin with an observation that is crucial to understanding what the Bible says about any topic. And in fact, the statement I'm going to make right now is something that I hope we really take to heart in the weeks ahead. I hope that this really more and more becomes the DNA of our church. And here's a statement that I want you to hear very carefully. The ultimate answer to every problem in your life and mine is the gospel. The ultimate answer to every problem, every issue, every challenge in your life and mine is ultimately the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus who he is, and what he came to do. Please take a look at this statement on your outline. It says, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, leads us to what kind of life? A new life. Now, last Sunday, we had an amazing celebration of Easter, and the big idea for that whole service was this. Easter is a love story that makes it possible for you and me to live a new life, the kind of life that God created us to live, the kind of life that that deep down we want to experience. And who Jesus is and what he's done for us affects every area of this new life that God promises us. Now, before we go any further, there's something I want all of us to understand. When you're a Christian, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the things that I'm going to describe right now are true of you. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you can become a follower of Jesus. You can trust him with your life. And the things that I'm going to describe right now will be true of you. So, how does the gospel apply to the anger in our lives? What's the connection? Now, to answer that question, I want you to do this. I want you to take out your gospel glasses. 
Because we're going to look at this issue through the lens of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And I'm going to connect this to the message last week as well. Because last week we saw this, that when you are a Christian, you have a new record. When you're a Christian, you have a new record. Now, what in the world does that have to do with anger? Well, here's the answer. All the things you have ever said or done in sinful anger have been forgiven. How many of you in your life have ever said or done something in sinful anger? Yeah, every single one of us. So what does the gospel have to do with that? Well, the gospel shows that God is not angry at you. His wrath in response to your sins was poured out on Jesus at the cross. And church, this is where the gospel intersects with real life. When you're a Christian, you're somebody who's understood the bad news that you're a sinner. And your sin separates you from God because he's holy. And because God's just, he has to punish your sins. And that punishment is to die and to be separated from him forever. And Jesus, because he loves you, was willing to take that punishment upon himself. That's what happens on the cross. God puts our sin on Jesus. He punishes Jesus instead of us. The anger against our sins is poured out on Christ. He dies, he comes back to life, and he offers us a new life and a new record. And I love what Pastor Phil said this morning, that this morning as we talk about anger, we want to do it from the context of joy. Well, why is that? Well, because every sinful thing we've ever said or done has been forgiven, and because of that, we can be joyful. Look at this verse. It says this, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, here's another way that the gospel applies to anger. When you're a Christian, you have a new identity. We talked about this last week. When you decide to follow Jesus, you're adopted into God's family. You're now God's son, God's daughter. When you're a Christian, you have a new identity. So what does that have to do with dealing with the issue of anger? Well, check out this statement on your outline. You may see yourself as an angry person because of your heritage or temperament. I have people tell me on a regular basis, well, you know, Pastor Dudley, the reason that I have an anger issue is that I'm Italian. Pastor Dudley, the reason I have an anger issue is I'm Hispanic. I'm Irish. <laughs> it's just what we do. It's who we are. But listen to this. You may think, I can't control my temper. It's just who I am. However, through faith in Christ, you are a new person in the past. You may have, had, you may have been a person who could not control your anger, but because of the gospel, that is no longer who you are. And that's what the Bible tells us. Look at this verse from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, this means that anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And here's one more thing that you see when you put on your gospel glasses. When you are a Christian, you have a new potential. And here's that potential. You can deal with your anger in a constructive way because Jesus lives where? He lives in you. You see, this God who created you this God who loves you exists in three persons God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and when you become a Christian God's Holy Spirit now lives in you giving you both the desire and the power to live a life that pleases God a life where you can now handle your anger in a way that honors and pleases God and here's a verse that describes this new life that's possible because Jesus lives in us. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's the last one there? Self-control. Is that related to anger? Yeah, you bet it is. In fact, you might say that it's more appropriately titled self under God's 
control. Now, church, listen, the, the Bible has a great deal to say about anger, and I could spend hours talking about this topic, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to keep you that long. I don't want to mess up your plans for this afternoon, because if I did that, you might get... Yeah, and I didn't want that to happen. Seriously, today I want to give you a biblical framework for both understanding anger and how to deal with it. And this framework on your outline this morning is something I've adapted from a message that I read this week by a pastor. His name is Melvin Newland, and it was really helpful. And I wanted to adapt that and share it with you this morning. So here we go. We're going to look at different kinds of anger described in the Bible and how we should respond to them. So are you ready? Okay, here we go. First is sudden anger. Sudden anger, which needs to be what? You can tell me. It's right there on the screen. You can fill it in on your outline. And I'm going to check back. We're going to go over this again. I really want you to get this. This is a really helpful framework for understanding what the Bible says about anger. Sudden anger needs to be what? Controlled. Here's a story about Mickey Mantle. How many of you recognize that name? Okay. He is a very famous baseball player, if you don't know who Mickey Mantle is. Anyway, there was an autobiography um, written by Billy Martin, and it says this. In his autobiography, Billy Martin tells about hunting in Texas with Mickey Mantle. Mickey had a friend who would let them hunt on his ranch, and when they reached the ranch, Mickey told Billy to wait in the car while he checked in with his friend. Mantle's friend quickly gave them permission to hunt, but he asked Mickey for a favor. He had a pet mule in the barn who was going blind, and he didn't have the heart to put him out of his misery, so he asked Mickey to shoot the mule for him. When Mickey came back to the car, he pretended to be angry. He scowled and slammed the door. Billy asked him what was wrong, and Mickey said his friend wouldn't let them hunt. I'm so mad at that guy, Mantle said. I'm going out to his barn and shoot one of his mules. And then Mantle drove like a maniac to the barn. Martin protested, we can't do that. But Mickey was adamant, you just watch me, he shouted. When they got to the barn, Mantle jumped out of the car with his rifle, ran inside, and shot the mule. As he was leaving, though, he heard two shots, and he ran back to the car. He saw that Martin had taken out his rifle, too. What are you doing, Martin, he yelled. Martin yelled back, his face red with anger. We'll show him. I just killed two of his cows. The Bible says short-tempered people do foolish things. Isn't that true? Short-tempered people do foolish things. Now, there are times when we can be overwhelmed by sudden anger. And sometimes our anger is justified. Sometimes we are angry for the right reason. And in just a few moments, I'll talk about what some of those reasons might be. But other times, our sudden anger is for the wrong reasons. And venting that anger can hurt us and hurt others. Now, if our goal is to control our sudden anger, what do we need to do? What is our strategy? Well, one of the most important ways to control sudden anger is to do this. Manage your mouth. Be careful about the words that you say. When you see conflict coming, when you see this potential for anger to erupt, think about this. It's as if you're approaching this small fire that's already burning. And you're walking up to this fire carrying two buckets, one in each hand. One bucket is filled with water, the other bucket is filled with gasoline. And with your words, you choose what you will dump on that fire. In the book of James in the Bible, 
we are reminded that words have tremendous power. Our words have the potential to hurt and the potential to heal. Our words can direct, our words can destroy, and words spoken in anger can do incredible damage. And that's why James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. One of the best ways to control what you say is right here in this verse. Be quick to do what? Quick to listen. Or as my mom used to tell me when I was growing up, Dudley, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Why do you think that is? There was a book that I read a number of years ago by Stephen Covey. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits was this. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Now that's a, a great strategy. Where does it come from? From the Bible. That especially when we're involved in conflict where there's the potential for anger to be displayed, what we need to do is not try to get our point across, not to seek first for somebody to understand us, but to listen to them to try to understand their perspective and their viewpoint. Now, is that hard to do? You bet it's hard to do, which is why we need to ask God to help us. Look at this verse from Psalm 141. It's really a prayer. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Listen, when you find yourself in a situation where anger is rising up in your heart, you can shoot a skygram to God. God, please take control of what I say right now and guard my lips because I don't want to do any damage. So the first kind of anger is what? What kind of anger? You can tell me. Look at your outline. Sudden anger which needs to be controlled. Now here's the second kind of anger that we find in the Bible. Sinful anger which needs to be what? You can say it out loud. Say it loud. Confessed. Sinful anger needs to be confessed. Now I mentioned earlier that sometimes we're angry for the right reasons and sometimes we're angry for the wrong reasons. Sometimes our anger is sinful and sometimes it's not. So how can you tell the difference? Well, here's an important key. When you're angry with someone and you want to hurt them, you want them to hurt as much as they have hurt you and you're thinking about ways to do that, that anger has crossed the line. That is now sinful anger. And notice what the Bible says about that kind of anger. It says... Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, at first glance, these verses seem rather confusing. It says here we're not supposed to take revenge. In fact, when people treat us badly, we're supposed to treat them with kindness. We're supposed to treat them well. So what is the deal about heaping burning coals on somebody's head? I mean, that seems like a perfect way to get revenge. I'm going to put burning coals on your head and set your hair on fire. That'll show you. So what's going on? Well, to understand this verse, we have to go back to the context of the first century because in people's homes, they had a hearth. They had this place where they would cook, a place to stay warm. And if their coals went out, this is what they would do. They would go to their neighbor and knock on the door. Dear neighbor, I need some burning coals so I can rekindle my fire. And they would do this. They would take those burning coals and carry them 
in a container on their head. So is it start, starting to make some sense here? See, if you're a really nice neighbor and your neighbor came to your door, you would heap burning coals on their head to make sure some of those coals got back to their home so they could rekindle their fire. And so what we see here is that heaping burning coals on somebody's head that's hurt you is not an act of revenge. It's actually an act of kindness. Now here's the deal with sinful anger. You have a choice about what to do with your anger. Now let me just present some choices that we have. First, you can just let it out. You can totally express that anger. You can yell and curse and scream and punch things and break things. Now here's the problem with that approach. We think, you know, if I just get rid of my anger, it'll be gone. Is that true? No, because your heart is an anger factory. When you get rid of that anger, more anger is going to take its place. Every time you think about what that person said or what that person did or didn't do, anger is going to well up in your heart and you're just going to have to keep venting that anger. It will never end. Now here's another choice you can make. You can suppress your anger. You can decide that you're going to bury that anger. Now, let's suppose that this ball is your anger. And you've decided you're going to suppress your anger. You're going to bury it. You're going to even deny that you're angry, so you're going to hold this below the surface. Now imagine this. Imagine that you're at the beach, and you're trying to hold this ball underwater. It's under the surface of the water. What's going to happen after a while? What's going to happen to your arms? They're going to get tired. And eventually, what's going to happen to that anger? It's going to come right to the surface. It's going to erupt. And church, listen carefully. When you try to deny that you're angry, when you try to bury your anger and suppress it, it will come out. And sometimes it comes out through physical problems. Did you know that you can be so angry that you have a heart attack? It can happen. Sometimes people are really angry and they suppress that anger and it manifests itself as depression. And we'll talk about that next week. But here's another way that we sometimes deal with anger. It's called passive-aggressive behavior. Uh, how many of you are familiar with that term, passive-aggressive behavior? Let me give you a definition, and then I'll talk about it for just a moment. Here's the definition. It's a tendency to engage in indirect expressions of hostility through acts such as subtle insults, and the key word is subtle, subtle insults, sullen behavior, stubbornness, or a deliberate failure to accomplish tasks. Now, how can you recognize when you're dealing with somebody displaying the traits of passive-aggressive behavior. Well, here are some things that people say when they're being passively aggressive. Um, not that you've ever said any of these things, or me, but we can just recognize it. Here's the first. I'm not mad. Why do people say that? Well, because they're in denial, and they don't want to admit that they're really, really mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Or how about this one? And, and you probably have never said this. Whatever. Just do whatever you want to do. Fine. Fine. Why do people say those words? Well, because they really believe that if they express their anger, it would make matters worse. And so what we do is we cut off communication, the very communication that could help us process our anger. So when you think about it, you've got a couple of choices. You can express your anger, just let it out. You can suppress your anger, or you can do this. You can confess your sinful anger to God. And this is why confessing our sinful anger to God is so important. If you don't, if you try to hold on to it, if you deny it, if you bury it, it's going to lead to an unforgiving heart. And an unforgiving heart will lead you down the path of bitterness and resentment. 
But if you come to God and you honestly confess your sinful anger, if you experience His forgiveness, that forgiveness will enable you to forgive those who have hurt you and to deal with your anger in a way that pleases God and helps you. So, first of all, what kind of anger do we talk about first? Sudden anger. How do you deal with it? Control it. What's the second kind of anger? Okay, and what do you do with sinful anger? Confess it. Here's the third kind. Stubborn anger. Stubborn anger needs to be, we can say it together, what does it need to be? Needs to be conquered. Now, what is stubborn anger? Well, that's really anger that you've had for a long time. It's unresolved anger. It's anger that stays with you day after day after day. And what causes that kind of stubborn anger? Well, sometimes it's just frustration. You know, there are people and circumstances that stand in the way of you accomplishing a goal or an objective, and because of that, that frustration leads you to be angry. Or maybe it's because of this, grief. See, grief is really based on a sense of loss. And sometimes if you lose your health, you become angry. You lose your job, you become angry. You lose a relationship, you become angry. You lose a dream for your life. Things are not working out the way you expected. You become what? Really angry. One of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. My favorite character in the movie is Lieutenant Dan. And I want you to watch a clip from the movie right now where Lieutenant Dan is dealing with some extreme anger because things have not worked out in his life the way he expected. Now, you listen to me. We all have a destiny. Nothing just happens, it's all part of a plan. I should have died out there with my men, but now, I'm nothing but a cripple, a legless freak. Look, look, look at me. You see that? Do you know what it's like not to be able to use your legs? Well, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? You cheated me. I had a destiny. I was supposed to die in the field with honor. That was my destiny, and you cheated me out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying, Gump? This wasn't supposed to happen. Not to me. I had a destiny. I was... Lieutenant Dan Taylor. You still Lieutenant Dan.
That's such a powerful scene, isn't it? And if you're familiar with the movie, you know that Lieutenant Dan ends up dealing with his anger. And he actually finds freedom from his resentment and his bitterness. And church, that's exactly what God wants for each one of us as well. But if we're going to do that, we have to deal with our anger every day. We can't keep putting off dealing with this unresolved anger in our lives. And that's why the Bible says this in the book of Ephesians. It says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. There was a married couple who had been together for many, many years, and the husband was asked, have you ever had a fight with your wife and gone to bed mad? And he thought for a minute and he said, well, no, I've never gone to bed angry, um, but there have been times when I stayed up for three days at a time. <laughs> the Bible says, don't delay dealing with your anger. Why? Well, that verse says, because you give the devil a foothold. See, the reality is we have a spiritual enemy who wants to destroy our relationships. And listen, Unresolved anger will do exactly that. Which is why God says, deal with your anger now so that it doesn't lead to resentment and bitterness. So let's quickly review. What's the first kind of anger? Sudden anger. What do we do with it? Okay, the second anger is sinful anger, which needs to be. The third kind of anger is stubborn anger, which needs to be. You guys are doing great. You're going to be anger experts Here's the fourth, sanctified anger, which needs to be channeled. Now, another word for sanctified anger is righteous anger. It's when you are angry for the right reasons. This is the kind of anger that God himself displays, and we also see in the life of Jesus. Now, I want to show you a story about an incident where Jesus becomes angry. This is in Mark chapter 3. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, as some of the religious leaders. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now imagine you're there watching this story unfold. Here's Jesus, here's the religious leaders, here's this man standing in front of everybody. Then Jesus said to them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they, the leaders, remained silent. He looked around at them, and what's that next phrase? In anger, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Now, why is Jesus angry? And here's the reason. Because these religious leaders don't give a rip about this man with a crippled hand. Now think about this, he probably couldn't work, so he couldn't take care of his family. But they're not concerned about that. All they're concerned about is trying to trap Jesus and breaking some of their Sabbath laws. Now, notice how Jesus handles his anger. He actually channels his anger to do something good. He heals this man's hand. Now listen, there are times when we should get angry. When people are treated with a lack of, lack of compassion, 
when people are treated with injustice, when we see God's will or God's word being violated, we should become angry. God gets angry when he sees those things. You may remember the story of Moses. He goes up to the top of Mount Sinai. He's going to get God's Ten Commandments. And so God engraves these on these two stone tablets and Moses is on the way down. And what does he see? He sees the people of Israel worshiping an idol, a golden calf. And they're having a party, to put it mildly. And how does Moses react? The, the scripture says he was really, really angry. So what does he do? Well, the first thing he does, he takes these stone tablets and he just throws them and they're shattered at the base of the mountain. But notice what Moses does next. He destroys the golden calf so that Israel can no longer worship it. He channels his anger and does something that is actually good for God's people. Listen, there are times when we should get angry. There are right reasons to get angry. The question is, what do you do to channel that anger to accomplish something good? I was talking with a, a grandmother this week and she was showing me a picture on her phone of her new grandbaby who was born prematurely. And she said, Dudley, this, this baby is, is just a gift from God, and I can't believe that there are children like this who are killed in our country. That makes me so angry, and I could just see the anger on her face. Now, is she being angry for the right reason? Well, yeah, because God's will and God's word are being violated. Is there something she could do to channel that anger in a positive way? Well, well of course. You know, there, there are people that, that are very proactive about what's happening in our country. People that are working with organizations like First Care, one of our ministry partners. People who come alongside women facing crisis pregnancies. They're taking their anger and doing something constructive, something positive. And listen, church, this is really important. When we're angry for the right reasons, we need to find a way to channel our anger that helps people and furthers God's mission in this world. And, and consider this. Consider this. Have you ever been really angry because somebody you love was treated unjustly. Been there? Man, I have. Many times. Now here's the question. What do you do with that anger? Because you have this energy that rises up inside you, this passion. What do you do that's going to be helpful and not destructive? Well, here's the first thing that you can do. And this is one of my default modes. When I'm angry because somebody I love has been treated unfairly or unjustly, the first thing I do is pray. And think about this, just as an aside, which is really very important. There's a connection between anger and love. You realize that, right? That if you didn't love them, you wouldn't be so angry. It's because you love them that you are angry, and that's true of God. There's a connection between his anger and his love. He is angry because sin destroys the people that he loves. And so what you can do is take that passion and hit your knees and pray. Pray hard for the person who has been treated unfairly and unjustly. That's a great way to channel your anger into a positive, a positive way. Now here's something else you can do. Take that energy that you have and use it to really engage with this person, to encourage them. Sit down and be patient with them. Let them tell you why they're angry and, and, and let them work through that process with you. Now church, like I said, this is a huge topic and we could talk about it for a very long time. But let me give you the bottom line, and this is on your outline. Here it is. Jesus is our model for how to deal with anger. And Jesus is our source for what we need to deal with anger in a way that pleases God. 
Now, listen carefully. The answer to our anger issues involves more than the principles in this book that we call the Bible. I mean, I am so thankful that God has given us principles in his book. They're incredibly important. But we need more than principles. We need a person. We need somebody whose life we can have as a model. We need somebody who has the power to empower us to deal with our anger in a way that pleases God. So here's, here's the deal. This is the summary of the whole message. If you want to deal with your anger in a way that pleases God, stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Jesus said this, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus in the first century, said this, for those of you who speak Spanish, puedo hacer todas las cosas en Cristo que me fortalece. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's pray. And church, listen, as I pray right now, I want to do this. I want to pray for you, and then I want to give you an opportunity to pray as well. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that a new life really is possible when we trust Jesus and stay connected to him. And God, thank you that because your spirit lives in us, it really is possible to deal with our anger in a way that pleases you and actually helps others. And Father, this morning, I want to pray for those who are dealing with unresolved anger in their lives. Father, you know what caused it. And maybe it was uh, because they were hurt, because of frustration or loss. God, whatever it is, I pray that you would help them deal with their anger in a way that pleases you. And church, with our heads bowed, if you're dealing with sinful anger right now that is directed towards somebody who has hurt you deeply, uh, maybe just a situation that you've never been able to let go of, maybe you've never been able to extend forgiveness, just tell God that right now. Say, Father, it's, it's just really hard to deal with my anger. It's really hard to forgive. God, I need you to help me because I want to, God. I want to know this freedom, the freedom of forgiveness, a freedom from resentment and bitterness. God, I just want to, I want to let it go. Just tell God that right now. And listen, today, if, if somebody you love has been treated unjustly, Ask God to show you how to help channel your anger in a way that helps them and helps you. Father, today I'm, I'm so thankful that the ultimate answer to all the questions, all the struggles in our lives really is the gospel. And so, Father, this week, help us to stay close to Jesus so that his life, his love, his forgiveness can be seen in us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, we're gonna stand in just a moment and sing a song, but I want you to really connect with this song. I want you to engage your head and your heart. This song is called Chain Breaker, and it's all about Jesus. And here's the lyrics from the chorus. It says, if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison-shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. And as we sing this song, my prayer is that God will do this, that he will break all the chains in our lives that keep us from living the life he promised.
So church, are you ready to sing? Let's sing like we mean it.